It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. That is the international sound for excitement and anticipation. Yeah. It sounds a little something like this. Yeah. <laughs> it is podcast number 86. That's Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Brian Whitman. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes so you never, ever miss an episode of Dr. Stu's podcast. You'll get a little alert. And right off the website here at drstuespodcast.com is a great place to hear Dr. Stu's podcast. We thank you for joining us. I do want to begin by saying to my friend, when he's my friend, I call him Stu. He's always my friend. But in a professional environment, I he's call Dr. him Dr. Stu. Dr. <laughs> Stu. But either way, he's the birthday boy today. Yes. I so uh, we are recording, of course, at an earlier date. So I wish you a very happy birthday. So like Passover, I'm reclining today. Yeah. Well, you, oh, uh, I feel I'm, like I, I'm your therapist. I'm on my pod couch. <laughs> your pod. I'm doing Dr. Stu's pod couch today. It's. We have a Dr. Stew on the couch package when uh, when <laughs> midwives hire me to come and just hang out yeah, if somebody's right. overdue. So so I thought uh, today, because I've been running around like crazy, I had a really f- nice time with my family last night. They took me out for Mexican food. We went to see Ant-Man. Oh, I hear it's really good. It's, it really wasn't what I expected at all. It's pretty good. It's, it, it's, it's I love not, it. Uh, yeah, it's not... Producer uh, Randy, you think it was good. It was fantastic. It's not, Gar- it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, which I thought was really good, but this was pretty... Pretty good, huh, Rand? For a little heist film, it was fantastic. The problem is it's being judged as one of these epic Marvel movies. And it's if you just judge it as a standalone movie, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, Dr. Yeah, Stu, I agree. Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, where did you go? Not where, but uh, what did you have for, for Mexico? Where did you go for Mexican food? What did you have? We went to El Cholo. I love it. Uh, downtown. And I love it was right, right across from where I live. Oh, I love El Cholo. And uh, yeah, I had a burrito. I had a chili uh, uh, con carne burrito. I love that. And uh, I did not drink any alcohol. That's okay. I'm not your, uh, but you know, you mentioned the pod couch. If somebody's not using that already, but before they we went, we all were up in my my place, and we all uh, took out some good single malt Scotch whiskey from uh, from Scotland. Got a little buzz and going. All, all of us, uh, even my little daughter, who, who's not 21 yet, uh, she's a college student. She drank, and we uh, toasted each other, and and it was really a nice evening. You guys have you have a great family. You and, know, I'm I'm envy. I'm not envious because to be envious of someone's family is is not is not a uh, healthy. I am inspired by your family and the nice really because you know uh, you and your wife, your first wife, you know your only wife. Well, she was she was uh, she celebrated with us. The yeah, mother of my kids right. were there for dinner, and, and you guys were very good friends. Right, but yep. you stay together, and everybody's happy. And you know, and my I'll, son Max was in from New York, that's so wonderful. we were all there. And, uh, you know, we reminisce and we've just, you know, we're still reminiscing and still basking in our, in our, uh, trip to Scotland where we really had some good bonding and, and it was really nice for me to spend that much time, you know, 24 seven for 15, 16 days with my kids. And so it was just, it was, it's so easy now. And it was just so nice to hang with them. Good. Happy birthday, Dr. Stu. We have a little, uh, musical tribute for Dr. Stu's birthday. Do we have a little something producer Randy? Way to go. Well, what about the Spanish part? Oh, please. Well, <laughs> you want to we'll, stick around for that? No. Yeah, we'll, we'll get no, we, Je- we'll, we have limited time on we'll the get, podcast. We'll so. get Jeb Bush in here to do that. That guy maybe, loves Maybe we can speak. close out with the uh, with the Spanish part tonight. 
<laughs> instead of well, instead I, of Interstellar. I do wish you a uh, a happy birthday. Now we uh, always encourage people here on Doctor Stu's podcast to send an email. Doctor Stu reads them all, and the email address is askdoctorstu at gmail Now I am going to, I think, for the first time, maybe the second time in the history of the podcast here at podcast number eighty six, I'm going to dip in to what I'm calling Doctor Stu's international email bag right because this comes from daphne and daphne is in south africa, africa. okay she says good so we e- have at least one listener yeah well we uh, have a lot in south africa <laughs> yeah don't short sell yourself we do have a lot uh she writes some questions from south africa i'll do some self-editing randy's taking selfies of the dog and it says good evening dr stew which means <laughs> i'm it, paying you for this randy <laughs> it could have been morning time you know good evening in south africa it could be morning on wednesday you know uh, here my name is daphne let me start off by saying that i really enjoy the podcast i look forward to them every week that means you should do more even though i've only been introduced to them about five weeks ago so you have a lot of catching up to do daphne let's just say the midwife I'm working with, she loves you. She's a stoopy. That's a stew groupie. <laughs> we like that. Yeah, a stoopy. That's a new term. She'll probably not be very impressed if she knew I said that, but that. Eh. Well, it depends like... what context it's set in. It's, it yeah. sounds a lot like uh, uh, stupid. No, stoopy. Uh, stew groupie. I would like to commend you for being brave and stepping outside the norm, Daphne writes, for being authentic enough, Dr. Stu, to stand up for what you believe is right and true and offering pregnant women an alternative in such a medicalized obstetric milieu. Wow. wow! Nice words. Yeah, a nice combination. Well, it's easy. You know, it's easy to uh, to stand up for what I believe in because it, it makes such common sense and it's it's so evidence based. Let's break that down right there. The uh, I love it. The medicalized obstetric milieu. milieu. Uh, expound on that. Expand on that. Expound. Well, you know, she's just saying what we all know is that uh, the the profession of obstetrics has basically medicalized the process of giving birth, which is not, for the most part, a medical uh, condition. And uh, so it, you know, everything that's done, you know, this will lead into some of the things I want to talk about later. But, you know, when you start to medicalize everything, you start to expect problems. And when you start to expect problems, you start to find problems. And or if you don't find problems, you cause anxiety, which then leads to problems. And it just cascades to where we've reached this point where we have all these interventions and we're inducing people because they're one day overdue or because their fluid looks a little low or their baby's a little big or they're, you know, or, or we're getting a little bit uh, close to your, you know, overdue or I'm going on vacation or finding any reason they can to, you know, if you're looking for something to be wrong, if you're looking that hard, you'll find something to be wrong. Occurs- and that's sort of what what goes on in this milieu. Dr. Stu, it occurs to me because uh, I read a report online this week and I thought about you. It was actually uh, in the course of doing our radio show in the morning here in Los Angeles. There was a quick little report on one of our newscasts that reminded me of you because uh, the nuts and bolts of it in all 12 seconds of it was that when a woman is pregnant, everybody has advice. They have advice for the pregnant woman. They have advice for the pregnant couple. And a lot of it is alarming or it can be alarming. Now factor into that. So now you You've got lay people sending up flares all right. the time. Now, factor into that professional folks like yourself, doctors, people in lab coats, now actually also, not that you do it, but others do, sending up flares. I mean, you have got to have a shield of armor around you if you plan on becoming pregnant in 2015. Yeah, you do. You, well, you, there's, there's, there's a, we've talked about this many times, there's a fear that goes, that permeates, uh, you have start to grow, at least here in the United States, where 
you know, doctors fear birth. So doctors express anxieties. Patients pick up on that. Patients get anxieties, which makes doctors more nervous. And it's sort of a, a projection transfers type thing going back and forth between the two. And then, of course, when you know someone else that's pregnant and all you know are the anxieties and fears you've picked up from your doctor, you're going to share those with your friends, even though you don't know, you don't really mean to be doing something that is probably wrong and negative and and uh, you better better to maybe keep your mouth shut in those situations. You so, don't know for sure that you're going to leave the person worse off than when you encountered them. They but, don't intend to do that. Right, but but I think if they, if they took a step outside of their box and thought about what they were saying, you, you would you would never say those things. You you need to have more of a filter. You need to have more of a of some boundaries on you before you say something like, oh, you know, what your doctor says. If your pay, if your friend is doing something that maybe you wouldn't do, say, gee, that sounds great. It's Tell like, me more about it. It's like social networking doctors do. I've said a thousand times. People say things on social networking they'd never ever say to a person in real life, you know. And uh, and I think sometimes with well, I'd be, you'd be surprised, Brian. <laughs> people do say things in real life to people. Again, not really realizing what they're saying. I mean, they're just saying things like, like you know, oh, you look so big, or or God, when I was twenty eight weeks, I was much smaller than you are now. Or what something. a hurtful thing to say well, they, in yeah, such a body not, conscious society. Yeah, but they, they don't mean it to be hurtful. They just they they there's no filter. They just they 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 want to. Everybody wants to connect to a pregnant person. They they want to relate to them, and unfortunately, everybody, everybody would like to vicariously live through that pregnant woman. In a way, uh, to, uh, yes. yes. Were, well, people love they love pregnant women. They so, love newborn babies, so and they, everybody has a comment. You know, can you imagine somebody pushing a stroller with and there's an ugly baby in the stroller? I mean, what do you really are you going to really tell the mother that they've got an ugly baby? No, you're going to you're going to hold back and you say. God, she just looks just like your husband. <laughs> somebody did. Uh, I can't. Somebody or a troupe on television, a sketch team did a great bit about that. With the baby is just unattractive just yes. not cute and uh, it, it created a lot of laughs okay this is dr stew's international email bag i am right now sucking on hall's mentholiptus because i've been under the weather for about a week now and i'm on an anti-nausea medication believe it or not um daphne <laughs> I Thanks, that's the brian uh, medical update <laughs> yeah this you, is what you know i thought you know you're the doctor i'll be the patient uh, daphne writes all the way from south africa ask dr stew at gmail.com dr stew i'm a homeopath and medical doctor general practitioner not specialized with a special interest in birth if ever i have a superhero cartoon made of me i'll be daphne the fierce protectress of the integrity of birth this year i started a practice with a midwife and we're doing home births this is a service that isn't very widely available in south africa with the consequence of whenever i mention to a medical colleague that this is what i'm pursuing the response is gosh you're brave or wow you're mad as in insane i think i hope yeah. you've got great medical protection coverage now this is the point i'm sure this might be similar to the responses you got dr Stu. i know how we as doctors are never taught to trust birth we trust machines we trust scalpels and clocks we don't see the variations of the normal birth during our training we get called when things go wrong in air quotes we only see birth go wrong we don't see ecstasy and empowerment we see complication and litigation daphne writes yes uh i look at not as often not as often as you think but it is the fear that sits on everybody's shoulder uh the little voice talking in their heads the litigation fear it's not as common as you think and of course when there is one or something when bad happens you you hear about it but for all the births and all the things that are going on uh generally it's it's certainly not that common but it is the 
it is the thing that motivates doctors to be afraid to do certain things and think that by doing cesarean sections or by inducing earlier, by doing these sorts of things, that they're going to avoid litigation when really there's no evidence to show that that's true. Let's get into the meat of it here because uh, because she goes on. I don't want to read it word for word, uh, but she goes on to basically talk about sort of becoming the Dr. Stu of South Africa. I mean, really, that's where Daphne's going with this. Uh, question for you uh, about your business, and feel free to decline. You don't have to answer. Uh, you can answer. You can give as much information as you want. I know your listeners to Dr. Stu's podcast love the fact that Dr. Stu is so vociferous in his in his offering of knowledge. I mean, you really do lay it out there. Um, is there, for the service you're currently providing to your clients, going to homes, going to uh, uh, going to places that are not hospitals, to birth centers, and catching babies, and bringing babies into the world with a midwife um, or, or, or a doula, are you, are you, as you sit here, Stu, or lay here on on uh, on Brian's pod couch and Randy's pod couch, are you admittedly um, apprehensive about the long arm of insurance, the long arm of bureaucracy, the long arm of litigation meddling with what, to me, to my eyes and ears, fresh off the publication of your first 130 experiences in catching babies outside the hospital, are you fearful of some of a meddlesome government? Well, two things, Brian. First, I want to commend you for saying the word catching babies because I've obviously indoctrinated you now into the right terminology yes, because most people would say, you know, you delivered a baby or right. you did that, but we don't. We catch them. I'm so a professional. Stuart. I caught that right off. I know Thank I you. perked up my ears and Thank I'm, you. I'm very proud of you for doing Thank that. Thank you, sir. Second of all, as far as, as far as gold, government intervention, do I get a gold star on my report this week? No, okay. <laughs> you don't. No, you don't. No, you I'm just, doing my you job. Just our Brian. Thank you're, you, sir. You're my Brian. Well, you're a you're a you're a unique person performing a unique and important service, and I try to pay it all the respect that it warrants. Well, let me give you a little talk about my feelings about government. I mean, first of all. Uh, I don't think government has any business being involved in the healthcare business at all. And you, we've talked about that. We've done some o Obamacare shows years ago and stuff, or uh, many, many podcasts ago. Um, but everyone fears the government. I mean, that's why I'm sort of a libertarian or a conservative, because I'm not for government getting in the way. And government has completely intertwined itself in medicine. And I can, I'll go off on a slight tangent and talk about the fact that coming this October, we have ICD-10 coming, which is, you know, the, co the number of codes for coding for diseases and procedures is going to quadruple or, or quintuple. And there's no evidence to show that there's any reason for that other than bean counting and maybe uh, uh, manipulating healthcare in, for in benefit, a certain way. For benefit of the audience, ICD-10 stands for what? Uh, I don't know. I okay. can't remember. Okay, it, it sounds to me like medical codes. Well, it's for coding. It's it's okay. it's if you have if you have an upset stomach, there's a code for that. And if I see you in the office, there's a there's a there's a procedure code for that. So there's diagnosis codes and procedure. Is codes. it like the DSM or or what's no? Called? Well, they, that's for psych. But it yeah, okay. I guess it's similar to that. Okay, you know, there, look, I I could go off on a tangent. On, I think I will. Okay, first of all. The American Medical Association owns the single sole proprietary rights to ICD coding. The, for years in this country, we've been using ICD-9 coding. The AMA is, makes tinkers with the codes every year. 
which makes people have to buy new software every year. It makes people have to send their business off managers to coding conferences every year. By the way, who sells the software? Who sponsors the coding courses? I bet the AMA. The American Medical Association does, okay? <laughs> so now they're changing to a new thing where everybody's system is going to have to change. And if you have EMR that is designed for ICD-9, you're going to have to get new software for IC, that covers ICD-10. Who makes the software? Well, the American Medical Association does. The American Medical Association makes the lion's share of its revenue from the sale and the manipulation of ICD codes. Only about 17% of physicians in the United States belong to the AMA. The AMA is no longer responsive to their, to their members because they no longer rely on dues to support themselves. So there's an organization that has basically gone rogue um, and doing something that has no evidence-based reasoning other than control and it's about you spend so much time now making sure that you enter proper codes in order to get proper reimbursement that you spend very little time documenting what what you're actually doing or 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 eye contact with the patient and i will tell you that if you ask for say say i ask for medical records from kaiser and Kaiser uses a computerized medical record form. And walk me through that. Someone in your office, then at your instruction, would telephone Kaiser. Well, we send off a signed release form. Okay. And the, People they, love this stuff. And, how they, it works. and they will send back you know, a, a, a small booklet, probably for a prenatal care. There'll probably be 30 to 50 pages. Almost every page is just sort of lab results. There's very little like assessment of, of what the patient was feeling or what the patient was expressing. It's sort of all... You know, it's 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 choppy. It's it's not conducive to like the way normal people think. Not it's not the way. It's not conducive to how people think. Yeah. You know, the old note taking thing. The old we used used to do something called soap notes. You know, subjective, objective assessment and plan. Love it. And that is the way that sort of the mind works. If here's what the patient's complaining of. Here's what you find. Here's what I think. And here's what I'm going to do. So now Kaiser or you someone can't else find that you don't find that in a simple format in the computerized form kaiser or someone like kaiser then sends that back to dr stew's office dr stew or his team of associates then has to literally just sort of well, dr stew has to do that dr. just like stew. a uh, midwife okay. or, or, or dr stew's got to sit at that expensive desk in that expensive office with the high <laughs> with the high at least payment and has to now just go fishing through this material Yeah, with a highlighter okay right, that's right. homework and by the way even if i had electronic medical records which i don't and i'm, I'm trying to avoid doing it um my system would not be compatible with kaiser's anyway and they probably wouldn't talk to each other so i would have to do this in a hard copy and print anyway you know they can send it by email but i don't know about you brian but when i get records by email and i read them online i don't my brain doesn't absorb them as well as when they're on paper. Me neither, buddy. So I have to print stuff out. Me too. In I'm order the same to, in way. order to read, and then I can take my highlighter and I they, can highlight, <laughs> and that's the way my brain works. The next generation of of uh, physicians and 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 just pe people in general are probably going to do better at that. Than they I tell am. me at the radio show. I do my radio show with two other people who are on laptops, and if you listen closely, you'll hear them pounding away all morning. Makes me want to strangle somebody but i sit there with a stack of papers and they say brian you probably killed two or three uh, yeah, trees. Uh, trees a show but i'm old school when i started uh, a talk radio back at wabc in new york it was off the ap wire and every story was printed off the wire and i had about a small phone book thick 
uh, of, right, of and you papers. can write notes. You can write yeah, notes on, on the that. margins. On the margins, right. I could highlight. I was when you're done with one. You can crinkle it up and you can toss it into the wastebasket. And for dramatic effect, if I don't like the argument, I just tear it up in front of the microphone and toss it. I'm a paper guy. Yeah, you used to hear like uh, like there were certain people on the radio that would shuffle their papers, and yeah, you could hear that all the time. My right. friends, yeah. what we have here is uh, sternly. You'd hear that guy doing his thing, right. and I loved it. It was a tactile experience. Oh, yeah, that's experience. right. It's Rush. You're yeah. right. That's very good. A tactile experience. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to your question about the government, um, yeah, everybody fears the government because, the, because I have a license to practice. Um, the government has the right to take my license away at any time. Now, obviously, there's due process, but the problem is, is the little guy can get crushed by the big guy, and the system is such that everybody wants to keep their head under the radar, which is, I think, why a lot of things don't change and a lot of people don't stand up and speak about injustices and about things that are going wrong in the hospital or the or the or the milieu of medical obstetrics because they they just want to keep their head down because no one wants to have to to deal with that. And so so as part of the government thing, obviously the whole question was about malpractice and liability. She and, actually goes on to ask just oh, what to, she say? to center this a little bit, uh, to focus it. She writes, Daphne from South Africa, asked Dr. Stu at gmail.com, Dr. Stu's international email bag. She writes, and I'm quoting, so, all caps, here I stand. What do I do with malpractice insurance? I don't buy into this whole fear-based approach. I'd prefer to go without any coverage as this does not determine my clinical practice i want a healthy mom with a well baby in her arms i truly believe that unless there's an emergency that vaginal delivery is the safest and best option the problem she writes dr Stu, is that everyone else is feeding this malpractice monster and our environment is becoming more litigious she concludes do i bite the bullet and sacrifice the equivalent of one of the six births or do I go pay for medical insurance? Do I build up trusting relationships with patients, indemnify well, and hope that all goes well? That's quite a question. Yeah, and I think my answer to her was I couldn't really tell her what to do in her country. But That's right. I think my feeling is this, at least for me. Um, first of all, doing the home, uh, mal- home delivery business, I, there is no malpractice insurance that covers me for that. I because have a- they won't? Well, they don't make it uh, for what I do. And if and here's the problem. If they did make it for what I do, it probably would either be prohibitively expensive or they would begin to tell me that I can't do the things that I've been doing. And now, at least with my paper coming out, I've got some evidence-based meta, evidence-based research that, or not research, because it's, it's not a research paper, but it's a, a clinical science, series. A little science on your yeah, side. Yeah, some numbers on my side that basically prove that what that these things can be done. But the... The um, so I, I wouldn't want malpractice insurance because they would either restrict it or it'd be too expensive for me. I, I think that the best way to avoid a lawsuit ultimately is to be good at what you do and to develop a really great relationship with your client. The McGriffey model allows me to do that. We get to know these clients pr- really well. And yeah, sooner or later, there might be a very bad outcome, but I, I, I trust that I'm, I know my stuff. I know my, my subject really well. And I know when things don't seem to be going the way they should, that my experience tells me you generally, when you don't meddle, you don't get sudden emergencies. It's pretty rare. And even if you get sudden emergencies, if you handle them appropriately, and even if the outcome isn't as good as you'd like, the likelihood of a lawsuit being there with somebody that you have a relationship with is is very small. Now, ideally, there would be a system where where 
unless you have gross negligence, I mean, excuse me, not negligence, but uh, maliciousness in your in what you're doing, that we should have, doctors should have some sort of indemnity uh, against frivolous lawsuits. There should be a loser pay system or something like that because quite frankly, so much that's wrong with medicine is wrong because doctors do things which they think are going to help them if they get uh, to prevent being sued. They're going to over-test. They're going to over-intervene. Uh, in- They're going to do things that are not necessarily medically sound, but they do them because of their fear of liability. Truth be told, Dr. Stu, uh, in your current model of, of home birthing, you operate without the benefit of indemnify, indemnity. Correct. I mean, you know what? I don't have a lot of assets, so they can... You know, right? But, but no, no, you know, but 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 it really is. I mean, you know, but I, I do have an arbitration agreement. Yeah, yeah. And the arbit- they all sign an arbitration agreement. This arbitration agreement was drawn up by a lawyer that worked for midwives, and it it's very basic, and it just basically uh, says that if there is a dispute, that we will go to arbitration, which of course is a lot cheaper than the um than the you know the litigation system where the the tort system where you work on contingencies and people are suing for millions and millions of dollars to me dr stew as a political observer someone who is a, sort of a political geek who has monitored sort of the affordable care act so-called obamacare and and the role of insurance and all of this i mean what you have going here in tom, in terms of home birthing the the response uh, you are responding to the overwhelming desire that so many have right here in southern california and worldwide uh to have have their babies born outside of the hospital, out of hospital birthing, home birthing, to have their babies caught at home. Uh, This really, uh, you've got something going here that is almost, um, well, certainly is quite unique. And in the way that, that, that insurance is somehow seen as almost... It's almost an afterthought. I mean, this is something on a on a larger scale, if I can, that is so refreshing and so bucks the trend in an era when every other word out of uh, a receptionist's mouth at the doctor's office is, "Do you have insurance?" Well, yeah. you, you understand what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, you, I, are I, buck, I, you are bucking a trend here. Of course, I am. I mean, everything that I do is sort of counter to what. The system has designed but this specific area you're really bucking a trend well yeah and most of my colleagues are think that i'm crazy because for not having malpractice insurance but the truth is again there isn't any malpractice insurance available for what i am doing and like i said even if they offered it at this point with my experience of what i've been doing for now five years i don't think that i would get it because i think that what happens when you end up having malpractice insurance is then you sort of as you do you practice to your insurance policy and if your insurance policy says that you can't work with midwives, then you don't work with midwives. Or if it says that we're going to charge you a surcharge to do VBAC, then you find a reason that VBAC isn't a good idea. Or if they say that you, we don't we don't support you doing breach delivery, then suddenly you say that breach delivery isn't a good idea. And you're not practicing what you know to be true. You're practicing what you know to, to will help you to, well to, to survive, right. not not necessarily safe even. It's not necessarily safer to be doing more cesarean sections or, I, or doing things that aren't evidence-based, but it, it helps you survive. And listen, I get it. I get it 100% that, that as I said earlier, doctors really they just want to keep their heads down. They, they've been so beaten up that they just, they just want to practice their trade, and they, they, they're happy now to basically get a salary and have their malpractice covered by, you know, most doctors now don't buy their own, well, I would say that majority in the country now, most doctors don't buy their own malpractice anymore. They work for a company that 
either self-insures like Kaiser or has, you know, they, the, the, the company itself has a global malpractice policy that covers everybody that's working there. I have a- And that's great. I mean, that that's great because you're covered, but you're also so restricted in what you can do. And that makes you skew your counseling and do things that aren't necessary. I'm free to do what I'm trained to do. And, and that's, that's wonderful. what's great. Right. I have a huge And question. that's what I would suggest for Daphne is that if you feel good and comfortable with your skills, you know what, you should buck the trend because the trend isn't a good trend. The the trend of succumbing to the idea of having to have malpractice insurance in order to practice and being at the mercy of the insurers is is not a trend that I'd want to support. Daphne, thank you for that email. If you, listening to Dr. Stu's podcast, have a question for Dr. Stu, the email address, askdrstu at gmail.com. Askdrstu at gmail.com. He reads every single one of them. He responds to most of them, and some of them, like Daphne's out of South Africa, make for fodder an interesting conversation right here on Dr. Stu's podcast. I have for you what I think is a really important question, a huge question uh, in this uh, in. In, in the context of this conversation, have you, in the five years you've been doing home births, have you, Dr. Stu, ever encountered a uh, pregnant woman, a couple, yes. uh, a mom-to-be? Yeah, yes, you have. Yes, you have. Right. Uh, and, and when the issue of insurance comes up and you explain to them as eloquently as you just did to your audience how you don't even think there'd be anybody who would provide it. Have you ever had somebody say, uh, "Then we're, we can't, we're not interested"? No, in, no. To no. what? To what do you attribute that? No. Well, I think most people who seek out what I have to offer are already aware of the fact that they're going outside of the box, and I think that midwives, uh, although there are some midwives that there is some malpractice for midwives. Most midwives that I know, at least here in Southern California, are, are not practicing with malpractice insurance. Um, so I think it's not really expected. It's also discussed at the very first visit. And, I, I, and I, I don't think that people, it's not a great way to start a relationship. No. And the thing about it is, whenever you go see a new physician for anything, the first thing you do when you go to their office, you fill out a bunch of paperwork, and one of them is an arbitration agreement. And I was just talking to somebody this morning, and they said, they said uh, she was a chiropractor and she's a, a new, I interviewed her as a new client today and she said that um, somebody came to see her, part, her partner who was also a chiropractor and he was a professor of chiropractic and he refused to sign the arbitration agreement and he's walking into their office as a new client and so the, 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 her partner says, well, I'm sorry that I can't see you. Here's three names, go see somebody else but I guarantee you, you go call them, they're not gonna see you either without an arbitration agreement. So I just don't... That's, I mean, a, that's uncommon, right? T- for someone not to sign it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it almost, it's almost at this day and age expected that you're going to sign something. I mean, most people don't even read the stuff they sign. I mean, have you ever signed a real estate contract or anything else? I mean, yeah. You, yeah, or, or you, I mean, you, yeah. you have to have a professional person go over your contracts because you can't understand them. They're written in legalese. But, but yeah, you sign it because you want to be seen. And I don't, you know, I don't think that anybody's going to have you sign something that really... Will hold up in court if it's really not written well or not it doesn't or violates your rights but but you need that protection because we live in that world so that at least i feel gives people the awareness and in big print it says that dr fishbein uh, does not have malpractice insurance blah 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 
and so there's no there's no question about it and no no one has ever said to me uh, well, then I, I guess I can't stay with you. Very interesting. We uh, want to finish up in the time we have remaining because we do have about five minutes remaining. The time flies here on Dr. Stu's podcast, uh, number 86 already. We're going to put this up right up on the main page at drstewspodcast.com. Again, I encourage you to subscribe on iTunes so you get a link and never miss an episode of Dr. Stu's podcast. I have found on my own doing a little preparation <laughs> for podcast number 86. I'm going to call it Stu swag and i think you should start a website called stewsswag.com this is all for uh beautiful babies born at home onesies it's a little swag this is a uh, look at this little baby with a onesie and that's a little house a little shape of a house and it says born at home look at that picture that i'm going to show it to our listeners here you go listeners you take a look at this picture right we'll here. put this up on the website so <laughs> you'll be able to see it all right you make it. sure renee gets this our, our yes. lovely renee gets this so she can put this up on the website right Right. It's a, it's a cute little onesie born at home. I mean, I know, Brian, you, you said Here's I one, should born at as in, you know, like the email at born at oh, home. Born at, uh, <laughs> what you, what's, what's that sign? Uh, it's an ampersand. Uh, no, ampersand is and. What is that? Uh, with that it's and. an at sign. At. It's at. Oh, that was. Okay. What was it before it was at? At. Was it always at before before the Internet? It was an at sign. Yeah. The little curly thing. Mm -hmm. The little a little uh, cyclone or whatever it is. Um, I love. Well, I tell this you, one. you, you said that you said funny something to me. You said, you know, I should sell these things, and we also remember we had the uh, reteach breach T-shirts. Yeah, I love it. The problem, of course, that I sent you back an email saying, <laughs> in order for me to sell something, I, I have to get what's called a furnishing number here in California. And right. I, I have to then collect sales tax. I right. have to file a report, and it, I'd have to get an accountant to do it. <laughs> and so, it, you know, I, I would lose money. California strangles you if you want to. Well, do that's business. what California does. They, small, if I was a tiny little business and wanted to get started here, I couldn't do it. If I was in a different state, maybe. Stu Swag, I love this one. A cute little baby. Uh, I think it's a little boy, and uh, he's got uh, some artwork there. It looks like a little carriage, and it says uh, in cursive, birth with love at home, and he is the cutest little thing. So this is uh, what I think is Stu Swag. And, and, and finally... <laughs> well, you did uh, your homework here, Brian. <laughs> now, what is, show me. This says born at home, yeah. and this is for a baby a little bit bigger. It looks like almost a T-shirt because that baby's in diapers. What is that baby holding up, Dr. Stu? What, what is that baby holding up? Uh, what does that look like to you? That baby's hol it's holding something up. It's the baby's not holding up the world like uh, like a uh, Mister Olympia. You mean the one on the bottom here? Yeah. This, what's that baby? What's that baby holding up in that picture? Uh, on that T-shirt. Oh, on the T-shirt. Yeah, not in real life. Oh, hell, hell. Oh, the lighting here in the Randy Studio oh. <laughs> is not is yeah. not very good. But it looks like uh, it looks like something important. I'll tell you that. It looks like a tuchus, but I. But it might. It might be a. It might be a world. I don't know. We're gonna have to let the listeners. We'll put that one up on the internet. And let people take a look. And you at know that. what? We'll do that, and we'll do an Insta poll at drstuspodcast.com. Yes. What is that little baby holding up there? And these are cute. It's Stu Swag, and somebody uh, with uh, somebody with the temperament and the patience to deal with the bureau bureaucratic mess that is Los Angeles. We'll have to. Well, deal or with maybe that. somebody can start this in a state that has no. You know, that has like no low sales like tax. Arizona or Texas right that's right there we go like Texas why not why not do that stew swag I call it stew swag I gotta I, love I, that. I gotta I gotta move uh if I if I could move all my friends and all my the people that I know from Southern California and suddenly whisk them away to a state with low low income tax low sales tax I would do it instantly what would the state be do you have you ever thought uh don't say Texas you're a Jewish no guy. no probably not Texas I don't think I'd like the weather in Texas uh 
you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Midwestern guy. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind seasons. I, you know, why something like Wyoming or even, you know, Oregon I love or, but Wyoming. Oregon's got a high tax, a high tax base. They do. Um, you know, maybe South Carolina, maybe Tennessee, uh, New Hampshire. I've heard, I've heard really good things about New and Hampshire. And you know what? This time of year, not busy. It's not like there's candidates running all over. The, it's not like every time you turn, no, you know there's what? Hillary you know what? Clinton it would be fun and to there's uh, uh, Rand Paul. It would be fun to live in a state, by the way, that, that actually mattered for an election. I Four years ago and then the four years before that, I approached two very good friends and I said, guys, we all have some money a little and it's back at a different time. We all have some extra money. Let's go for a week. That must week. have been a while ago. <laughs> it, was, it was probably, eight, it was actually probably the year 2000. Yeah. I said, let's go and maybe 2004. I said, because I did have money then, let's go and with some folding money, as we say, walking around money and just go book a room at a Marriott in sent you know uh, concord new hampshire if there is one and just hang out because i'm a political presidential you're junkie. a geek oh you're I'm a total a geek. geek yeah and you know and i have memorabilia and stuff we don't like have that. we don't have anything in california by the time the cares. primaries get to california it's been decided well, and, you know, the, Demo- the democrats are going to win in california yeah. for the election anyway it's just like in texas you don't really no one no one vies but, for texas right. no but, one vies for california but, but primaries matter and it, i think now actually uh california i heard through the grapevine has actually been moved up a bit on the uh, calendar there. So uh, California might carry a little more primary influence during the primary season. Than yeah, it but when it comes to before. the national elections and stuff like that, nobody campaigns here. No. They, they, they come here and they raid money. They, they do fundraising here, but they but nobody campaigns here. And there there and, was a time. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's good because quite frankly, the traffic jams and stuff like that when the president or somebody else comes to L.A., yeah. it's bad enough. Can you imagine if every week there's a new candidate coming to Los yeah, Angeles? Yeah, can you imagine if we were Ohio or something? There was a time that Republicans used to win in California. Can you name, trivia, the last presidential candidate Republican who won the state of California? Can you name that candidate? A candidate? Yes. Who well, won? Well, Reagan. No. George H.W. Bush won California. Oh, 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 who, a Republican who won the state of California. I thought 19, you meant a Californian who won. It, no, right. Well, in 1988, right. George H.W. Bush, since then, no way. 92, 96, 2004, 8, but the, 12. But the gubernator, he won. That is so great. I love it. It was, you know, like, I mean, I was so great. And he's barely pick a Republican. That, pick up that story, Ken. You know what I heard him say? I heard him say uh, something very close to... He can speak perfect English if he wants to. He can do without the accent, you know, just if he wants to. But, you know, it has become so much part of me and what I'm doing and what we're doing here that I just keep doing it. I love it. You know, it was something like that. That It was such BS, you know, out of him. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't think that's true. All right. Thanks for joining us. Are we done? Yeah, we are. Time flies. Podcast number 86. By the way, and happy birthday, Dr. Stu. In Spanish. Podcast 87. How about this? Our um, our C-section, our our, our um, ultrasounds, ultrasounds being overused. Our ultrasounds being overused. We'll explore that on the next podcast here. Yeah, I got a good story to tell on that one. It's Doctor Stu's podcast. Go to right there. Go to uh, the website drstuspodcast.com or go right to uh, what. What are you saying? <laughs> iTunes. iTunes, of course, right. And register, you'll get an int- you'll, you'll get uh, an alert. Thank God we got producer you'll Randy. You'll never <laughs> miss an episode of Dr. Stu's podcast, whether it's his birthday or not. He's all distracted not. by Dora. He's a big Dora fan. I'm distracted by these onesies. They're so, we can make a 10 million bucks. I'm going to make one for you, Brian. You look really cute in a onesie. Yeah, thank you. So I've heard. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Whitman for Dr. Bye Stuart bye. Fishbein. It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Yeah.